welcome to episode four of Titan Talks. I've tried to do this about 30 times now with a bit more oomph, but it doesn't sound right. So, yeah, sorry, that's about as enthusiastic as, you get, as you're going to get me. Today, pleased that I'm not doing the questioning. Jess is having her debut, and we're really pleased to have Phil Parfit, owner and MD of Pacrobat, coming to talk to us today about in all things automation and machinery. So I'll pass it over to these two and um, leave you to it. No, so who is Phil? Gosh, Phil? yeah, right. I mean, do you tell Phil? Okay, so he is the nephew of a former England opening batsman. Probably oh. No interest to you, he's a lover of horses. Oh, very nice, very Hunting nice. in his dreams. Oh. And an automation expert. Oh, and that word, expert. No, don't go on expert. <laughs> don't get me going on expert. Oh, on, tell are. me what you want to say about Well, I think that people, especially in our industry, you know, people are really frightened to use that word, expert. And we, we had a debate about it in the office a few weeks ago in that actually some of you know, a lot of what we do, we are experts on. We don't want to believe it, do we? Exactly. Yeah. But I, people... I was put off the word by mm. an old boss of mine, actually, a few years ago. Right. He said, never call yourself an expert. He said, because X is the unknown and spurt is a drip under pressure. Oh. So, do you know what I mean? He, he, he but then you look at me. expert in but the nowadays, dictionary. It's listen, like... be frightened to be no. a specialist or an expert. Well, that's it. If you were going to buy something, you would buy it from an ex, somebody who is an expert in those things. Yeah. So we'll go with it for today. Yeah, no, I like that, Phil. You're an expert in automation. Yeah. Yeah. And so how, in terms of you and Pacrobat, what's the dynamic? What is, you know, how does Pacrobat and Phil Parfit work? So it was a pretty much a random situation that mm. occurred because of outside influences at the time. Right. It was never planned. It happened pretty quickly. Right. It was an attempt to just put a toe in the water to see if there was any mileage in doing this. Mm. And it was at a time where I could give the time and the effort to it to see if this was logical or not. Yeah. The whole thing really was driven by the company I worked for and they did not want to step outside of the comfort zone. Right. And e-commerce was little, un- well, it was probably little known at the time. Yeah. But it was something that was starting to happen. And when, how long ago was this then? This was 99 going into 2000. Wow. And as working for a family business, they, they didn't want to gamble and they wanted to stick with what they were good at or thought they were good at. And I was given a, a, a massive project to look at and they, they, they declined, and one of the reasons they declined it was because the potential client was from the US, and right. the meetings were around Heathrow, and they just thought it was all bluster, and the Americans were trying to tell us how home shopping was starting to grow, and then mm. must come over here at some point, and they were getting a foot in the market. So, cutting a long story short, um, that was my trigger when they said no. I continued to have these meetings, yeah. and everything I uh, achieved with this client was on private email because we didn't even have email addresses attached to the business. Wow. And when the guy told me 
we will have sign off and you can have an order within the next six weeks that was my that was my key to that design. was your green light yeah and, and again to keep this short the i went to the post office one day came back and they ordered four machines there was four pieces of paper on the spare room carpet that had come out of the fax machine oh. and it was my order one two three and four and it made me feel at the time we've now got to get serious and do this yeah and um that's where it all started oh and wow i think the the bit that makes this more interesting if it, if it is interesting to anyone is that that client was amazon <gasps> and that was their Beer. first ever packing machine <gasps> in the uk and it's all claim to fame yeah, there and, gosh and our first logo orange and black because wow. we had no time to think the business name was created that evening um, I spoke to my colleague, he was going to join me on the journey, and he said, that's your bag, not mine. So the name came within 24 hours, and then they wanted an official quote. So we had a name, but we didn't have a logo. A friend of mine created a logo. He said, what colour do you want? I said, I have no idea. <laughs> he said, you've got a customer, what colour are they? I said, black and orange. He said, well, we'll go with black and orange. Oh, so wow. machines were Brilliant. Amazon Orange. Black guards, our logo was black and orange. And I forget that Amazon were orange, yeah, and, were orange and black. And yeah, yeah, you forget that, exactly. don't you? Yeah. Oh, so fantastic. That was, so that was, that was a, a start from, from Amazon. That's some serious yeah. intel, though, isn't it? Serious, you know, e expert knowledge, you know, tw 20 yeah, plus we, years ago. And to be fair, we perhaps should advertise it and use it a lot more than we do. Yeah, I never even knew that. The backstory here is we were only a, we were only a supplier for a year. Yeah. But, hey... You know. But it started your yeah. journey, it opened the door, and actually, you know, yeah. where we talk about experts in their field, the conversations you were having with that with your customer, you know, about the e-com, about where the, the market is going, they were right, and, you know, you took that leap of that, faith. That absolutely underpinned what I was privately thinking. Yeah. To, again, not many of us knew who Amazon were. No, time, no. So, um, but to have that support from across the pond and their mm. vision was sort of my vision yeah yeah um it was it was a dream it was a dream scenario yeah dream so what products was it that amazon went with then so obviously the... at the time they were mainly known for cds mm. videos dvds that was pretty much their bag over here that was before they got into the dcs that were doing electricals and everything else well, so now you can get anything from amazon can't you yeah so it was primarily media mm -hmm. and um, they'd had a warehouse that they still have junction 13 m1 um, still there today massive shed in its day they needed to kit that out they'd gone to a dutch contractor to do all of the fit yeah. and the conveyors and everything yeah and as all of these projects happen the last thing to be thought about is the end of line packaging yeah, is the last thing to happen absolutely they claimed budget had run out they claimed it was more important to be able to get the goods in and sell them and pick them mm. packaging was almost the forgotten piece mm. and so we if, i would lie if i said it was an easy job because no. we had eight weeks to deliver four systems and we had what was left in their budget yeah but it was still an opportunity for me yeah to to, to kick start really yeah so that was your your yeah. almost your your platform that yeah. kicked off the Absolutely. business that's yeah. brilliant so yeah. in terms of um 
the products and services that Pacrobat now offer, you know, that's obviously just one machine that you've supplied yeah. into into Amazon that started your mm -hmm. journey. You know, what is the, just a, a quick list or a summary of the products and services great that question, Pacrobat do? Great question, the struggle for an answer, but pretty much like a lot of people in the automation arena, um, they tend to be tagged with yeah. a range of products. Mm. Um, so it could be sorters, it could be packing machines, it could be conveyor systems. One thing that we've set out since Amazon really to build our business on was um, to be flexible. Yeah. And we were young. We were young, we were quite naive and we had limited knowledge. Yeah. So when we approached a customer, it wasn't about what are we going to sell, what mm. are we going to bring on a brochure. We've never had a brochure. Wow. So our ethos was we'll go and meet as many clients as we can on the back of this mm. order. And we will fall into some categories here. There'll be some that will talk, the, the project will not go ahead, so they're always going to be potential customers. Yeah. The customers that you win, there's some of those that you win on a one-off basis for whatever reason, you don't re rework with them. Yeah. And the ones that we, we work with now are pretty much 20 years. Um, mm, Long-term partnerships, Long partners. yeah. And because of that ethos and the fact we probably only ever have 30 live clients at any one time, some come, some go, Yeah. Um, it's more than enough for mm. us to keep that regular contact, Yeah. go and see these guys and ask where their issues are, have they got any problems, mm. they may need spare parts for a machine that's obsolete, we can make them. Mm. They may want to upgrade a machine that they bought 15 years ago because it doesn't do exactly what they want, we can modify it. Yeah. They might want state-of-the-art bagging machine for their e-com. Yeah. We can take them to see not just one, but we can take them to see the market Options, and help yeah. them select what fits for them. Yeah. Service contracts, if you want your lift service, your machine service, your conveyor service, we'll take that whole piece on that, yeah. and we will manage it for you and work with you. Mm. So I think for us to tag us with... Um, a list of what we do is very difficult. Yeah, yeah. What we do is we listen and we work in partnership with the client. Yeah. And you tend to find the ones that buy into that and the ones that don't. And the ones that do are, as you mentioned earlier, are long-term Long-term, yeah. So yeah. all of what I've mentioned in that in that answer is what we what we can do what you can um, do and do you know what that onto my one of my the questions my next questions for you was you know you know why has Pacrobat been successful and I think you know just in your last comments you know you're agile you're flexible you listen to the customer and you're kind of you're almost it's customer led isn't it you know you're not going in there with your brochure Absolutely. and narrowing it down our portfolio was not designed it, it happened yeah and the reason it happened is you'll see a picture of a goods lift you'll see a picking trolley yeah you'll see a sorter you'll yeah. see a packing machine yeah it's something on our journey yeah that somebody said by the way can you do yeah yeah that's absolutely it. and so that's our oh that's message. brilliant so in terms of um automation I mean, we've talked in the last few weeks in terms of, you know, the levels of automation and it, it can be quite a frightening word for people, can't it? I mean, yeah. it's like, oh, automation. And we've got some e-com customers that, you know, 
they'll hear that word and go, oh gosh, I'm not an Amazon, I'm not a Tesco. It's I, expensive. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But and the industry, no, and, and the industry, I think, has changed. Yeah. Would you agree? Do you think now? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, good example um, automation. Take the word, if you were asked to, to answer what does that word mean, it's one of the most difficult words to try and put really into a is. box. Really Yeah. Um, something very interesting happened. BBC, only a week ago, um, they um, had a news article about a civilian uh, space shuttle called inspiration four mm. that was an art well it was a, a civilian manned uh, craft that was going into space for three days with no astronauts oh, gosh. and the reporter finished the article by saying here are four people like ourselves that are now going into space and they are going to leave it to trust the automation and that triggered me the automation was yeah. sending four people into space that's so that frightening is isn't it yeah that is very expensive Flipping yeah over to last time i was speaking to louis yeah and he said phil i've got a customer who needs to wrap a few pallets maybe 30 40 a day yeah what can we do we can sell them a pallet wrapper yeah it's going to cost them five grand yeah exactly For them, they have just bought into automation, automation it's the yeah same word, yeah but it's inexpensive it's yeah, simple it really so is it's a very very uh yeah. well-used word and it yeah. can be a scary word yeah. but what we need to do jess is educate people that yeah know, that's what it Absolutely. is automation is anything to help you take out a mundane task yeah save you a bit of time you can redeploy elsewhere or yeah. improve your accuracy yeah um, all of those little things can be automation yeah and they're not scary and and i think like it seems at the moment certainly sort of in the last six months more than ever um for me because it's it's sort of been on, on our agenda as a business is it, how much has automation changed? So you look back 20 years and what you did for Amazon 20 years ago, you know, and what Amazon are doing now, you know, how how much has it changed? And, and what are the, the significant changes, do you think? I, th I think the biggest change is the number of people in the field. Right. Because of this 20 years ago, you mentioned 20 years ago to time when we started. Yeah. That word in packaging which mm. you and I probably have been in if yeah you know, the previous yeah word was packaging yeah whether it's machines or materials automation tended to umbrella and grab everything that was packaging and, yeah. and put it under this new word of automation so I think when you look at it the number of players big and small is massive compared with 20 years ago really? you know I think everybody's seen the opportunity and then you break that down into different sectors yeah and it just it's a monster that grabs everything around it and brings it under yeah. this automation banner you go to expos now yeah you know, and, and we're not just talking about how the technology has naturally moved on we're talking about the number of players yeah and the number of things that have been taken from another industry brought in yeah and brought into packaging and packaging automation yeah you know, robots for instance oh. were not in packaging 20 years no ago. no no they're everywhere yeah they you are know, you're so, right so i think robotics is, is one one yeah. massive seed change yeah um, but i think that for me it's how the industry 
if you if you say automation and packaging yeah you know it's it's huge isn't it it's a yeah. massive player yeah um so i think that that's the key for me is is the number of, and it's not a bad thing because there's more people in it but mm. then there's more products there's more innovation there's more yeah. things under that mm. so it's there's room yeah, um, there is room. But it's, what's the um, what's the newest products? What is it? The kind of like, you know, in the last five years, what's really taken? I mean, I can from my point of view, and I look at our customers, customers I've dealt with over the last five years. There's, you know, the bagging machines. Absolutely, yes, you, you've hit it. I was going to say ecom. Yeah. Um, so for you, it's it's the material that that becomes the bag. Yeah. For us, it's the equipment that produces the, the bag. bag. Yeah. Um, there's all the environmental things and, and yeah. things that come with that material. Yeah. So I think for me, automation over the last five years is about bagging equipment, high-speed bagging equipment, yeah. desktop bagging equipment, and sortation. You know, again, it's a bit like automation. Yeah. Sortation. Sortation. Years ago, yeah. What is it? Yeah. Now, it's a real. It's yeah. a real buzzword, Everybody's isn't a it? Absolutely. You know, because um, technically, what is it? Mm. It's conveyors. Yeah. It's a barcode reader. Mm. It's a bit of software, and it's moving things to the right mm. place. But like we talked about with one of our previous customers, that could be quite small or quite quite yeah. big, can't so it? We, Again, if we take it in monetary terms. We yeah. have a conveyor with a barcode reader. Yeah. And we could split the parcel twenty-four hour delivery, forty-eight. Yeah. Hello and welcome to episode four of Titan Talks. I've tried to do this about 30 times now with a bit more oomph, but it doesn't sound right. So yeah, sorry, that's about as enthusiastic as, you get, as you're gonna get me. Um, today, pleased that I'm not doing the questioning. Jess is having a debut and we're really pleased to have Phil Parfit, owner and MD of Pacrobat come to talk to us today about automation, all things automation and machinery. So I'll pass it over to these two and um, leave you to it. It's a piece of conveyor with a divert unit and one scanner. Yeah. That is a sorter. The cost of doing that, £20,000. Yeah. Go into Royal Mail, they're mm. going to buy a sorter for 600 postcodes split. Yeah. And they are going to be paying, it's not it's how many million are they going to yeah. pay for that sortation system yeah. like automation sortation can be yeah. anything and I suppose like for us one of the big things and, and when we're talking to some of our retailers the sortation at the moment the focus is on the stores yeah. so sorting it out into cages for the stores it's so going in yeah, yeah all of those sorts of things yeah. and you think you know that's just oh it's automation but it's yeah. another level isn't it it's drilling yeah. it down to sortation and i think it doesn't if you look at shoes clothing media mm. most of our potential clients and clients now have got that split between if they're lucky enough to still have chains of shops on the high streets yeah then they need the replan and they're obviously spending a lot of time because they have to in, yeah. in their e-com platform yeah. because whether they like it or choose to or not, they're going to get left behind if they don't. Exactly so I think that, there's yeah. now a fairly nice split between um, wholesale replenishment yeah. and e-commerce home delivery. Yeah. Um, so that gives us as equipment providers um, a nice mix. Of course. And the same for you guys because yeah. you can sell pallet film for for story play, yeah, yeah, cartons, all yeah. the things that go with that, yeah. and for the econ 
we're yeah. talking um, bagging labeling yeah so what about in terms of um corrugate automation um so things like your b plus boxes um these new fan fold machines that are coming to the market because uh, uh, there's a huge amount don't get me wrong in terms of fashion and textiles homeware that will go into a, a bag yeah. but there is a a hell of a lot now that is online and needs to still go in a box so the, yeah. what opportunity what are you seeing in the new the systems available for that so I, I think again if we go back to an earlier answer with there being a lot more people involved in this mm. automation arena now that is one of the the growth markets yeah and, and i think if I, i'm going to be honest with my answer you know you mentioned one of the key players in that field yeah we can add three or four others to that, that yeah all, that's their core business that's what they're known for mm. so there's already i think quite a top heavy scenario because to take a corrugated box mm. and to either reduce its height yeah or footprint or, or reduce the complete footprint to suit the order to get rid of infills mm. and the volumes these guys are doing you can see it's a huge marketplace yeah but already the automation people within it have seen that yeah and they are they, they've got in early and they, yeah. they've done it reasonably early yeah so if i look at where my pacrobat hat um, we've got a partner company in the us that have been doing something similar for 16 years um, they focus more on the packaging side than the equipment side of right. this. And their box is um, currently, you can have a standard box or a bespoke box. Inside the box is a cohesive paper liner. Mm -hmm. And the idea is you pick into the box your multiple orders, it could be random products. And at the end of that pick, when the order is complete, it's about using the cohesive paper mm. and folding that down to lock the goods in the box for yeah. transit. So yeah. there's no, uh, or you limit the movement. I'm not mm -hmm. going to say there's no movement, but you limit. You the limit movement, that, yeah. Limit the damage, and the development that they're looking at at the moment is to tap into some of the technology these other players are using, and that is to then reduce the height of the, the box height of it, yeah. So that the stackability and some of the e-tailers may be charged on volume rather than weight so there's yeah. more boxes to a vehicle yeah they may reduce their shipping costs as well yeah and it eliminates infill which tends to pay mm. for the on cost for that box yeah so we're sitting uh, alongside those and we've built equipment for them and I think they're going to open a marketplace which Pacrobat and Titan can talk about oh, for the UK. So there yeah. might be something exciting times. But, yeah. Um, everybody else is sort of trying to do the same thing. Yeah. Uh, be more competitive or have yeah. an angle on it. Yeah. This may just be a little bit different. Something a little so. bit different. And do you know what? You know, there's. <laughs> We all know, I mean, just, just by starting our business and our approach, you know, that the market will welcome new new and different things. In terms of like um, how you, what do, what's your view on what is going to be successful? I mean, I, I look at plastic versus cardboard. You've got that yeah. immediate, you say paper versus plastic, you've always got a conversation. Yeah, it's always been it has, it has. I mean, I, but pre-pack, sorry, pre-pack of that, um, my main work, working life has been 
packaging packaging yeah and you've probably seen it and unfortunately for me i've probably seen more of it <laughs> um it's a pendulum swing yeah and when i first started in the business everybody was getting out out of cardboard because you know it's you've got something to pack stick it in a box Mm. you know how cheaply can we buy the box yeah we were making box erectors we were making carton wrap rounds mm. we were making carton packers yeah and suddenly the marketplace said these boxes are costing x if we mm. put it in polythene we can save an absolute fortune yeah so the business i joined was making massive volume of, of corrugated equipment within two or three years, it was a rarity to see a machine of that ilk go through. Wow. It was shrink wrappers, it was pallet stretch yeah. wrappers, it was unit stretch wrappers, stretch, yeah. stretch wrapping bundles of product. Right. And everybody, so the film development was there, you know, about non-fusion film, so that when you shrunk it, it didn't stick to the product. Right, yeah. Um, I think bag in box started at that point, but the whole pendulum was designing and uh, selling equipment that used some sort of polythene material yeah and then i think i've seen many swings towards with the environmental issues when they first came in yeah, and yeah. we start to think green the first time round everybody started part exchanging shrink wrappers and yeah. they wanted to go back into boxes because yeah. of its ethics and we went off on that road again and i think for the first time in my career in this industry I would say we've now probably found a mix mm. and as you alluded to earlier e-commerce has done that yeah because if you can put it in a bag then you do you, you do know, yeah you, you can you can put certain products in the bag other products shoe boxes media mm. bags are not going to protect it enough no so we go into a box yeah and then we look at the third option which is having a box with some polythene inside the box yeah, yeah. so we've now got combination packs mm. so i think to go to a client these days and say you want to ship to home we're all confident now we've got corrugated solutions we've got uh, film solutions and we've got combination solutions yeah so we've never been in a better place as an industry mm. so i think deliver the right package pardon the pun yeah for the for the our clients and equally for their clients and i guess at pacrobat as well as as titan you're not limited to one medium are you not limited you to polythene website, yeah the, one of the messages that we do try and get over is mm. that we've never got into a locked-in partnership no we keep an eye on what's happening in the marketplace yeah we create partnerships with what we think are the right players yeah we build yeah. relationships and I think the key to this is the flexibility angle. Yeah. So for us, we don't want to go in with a set of brochures and say, this is what we do. No. Do you want anything that we do? Yeah. We would rather go in and say, this is this is us. Mm -hmm. Where are your issues? How, what do you want to do? Where are your pitfalls? Yeah. Where are your bottlenecks? Where are yeah. your errors? Yeah. Where are your biggest costs? Mm. And let's talk together to see if we know something that may eliminate one or some of those issues yeah. that you have and i think they're changing all the time aren't they i mean i look at Absolutely. yeah and you look at like the last 18 months with covid you know companies have had to ramp up more than ever and 
now they're kind of standing back, you know, in the last six months having a breath, it's all about cost and it's yeah. about making sure they can get their, you know, extra 30% turnover through a reasonable price. So actually if plastic is the right solution for the business, then they're, yeah. they're going to go with that. Um, it's not all sustainable. It's not all... I say not all sustainable driven, but it's not all about, you know, following the crowd on the paper versus plastic. Yeah, and I think you're you're better positioned than me to, to talk about that, that piece with the plastic mm. because, you know, we've been on our travels and I've been on my travels with Titan. Yeah, of course. And we're yeah. coming across customers now. They're all aware of this recycled content. Yeah. From plastic tax. The film industry, I gather, are already working on percentages higher than 30. Yeah. We've got clients, as you know, that are advertising plant derivative materials. Yeah. We really honestly don't know what the uh, production impact is to make these products. No. It's a great advert to say they're plant-derived. Yeah. We've been given loads of samples of potato starch. Yeah, and yeah. That actually don't work on our equipment. Yeah. So... It's it's another industry in itself looking at, at polythene and how they mm. can attract their audience. Yeah. But just going back to, to your last comment, um, this morning, only on my way to, to sit here with you now, um, I went into a client that only two years ago bought off us and put an e-com conveyor system up on a mezzanine in a corner mm. because they felt they had to and they had a few e-com orders. Your point underlined, I went in today, we have now got to move it to a brand new area downstairs with its own dock yeah. that is going to be two or three times bigger than it was two years ago. And this whole project is not something they want to do, it's something they've got to do. They've been forced to because of the demand yeah. for online shopping. And which is great news for us. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I move on tomorrow to another potential client and uh, they've had the unfortunate situation of having to close down some of their high street outlets, mm. which is never nice, but they had to. But the flip of that is that e-com that was not a word they understood 18 months ago, no. probably the start of the pandemic, mm. now their whole budgeting, their whole strategy for the next three years and yeah. their current requirements are e-commerce machines oh absolutely they're, they're, yeah they're, you know they're not, yeah. it's not a choice it's no no a choice no and i think we, um, we're working with um e-commerce um retailers that their budgets have gone from you know trying to revamp their stores trying to get their place back on the high street to overnight switch that budget off yeah. that whole budget needs to go back into our dc it needs to go back into our online um the website the platform and that's where you know they're investing and that's i think where us at titan working with you at packerback we can you know tap into the expertise in our business in our team and with our partners like you to share the knowledge and insight in in, in using the experience we've got um but yeah, it is, it's incredible how it's gone it from one to the other again, so quickly. I'll, I'll go back to the news. I obviously spend too much time watching the news. <laughs> yeah. But, but some, one of my absolute pet hates is the negative press and reporting around our high streets. Yeah. And, you know, we see shops closing down. They're becoming coffee shops, meeting places. Yeah. This is what, this is what the public sees. This is what the public are told is happening, that 
this monster is killing our high streets, is closing down shops. Mm. We don't seem to get the reverse reporting that takes you to a brand new industrial area with mm. state-of-the-art buildings that are employing thousands of people yeah. to design and erect these buildings. Yeah. Thousands of people to keep them running and support these businesses. Yeah. And, you know, it's all about the poor high street and there's jobs lost here and there's shops closing there. Mm. They really seem to then flip it over to the growth that is happening because of that. Yeah. You know, we're all buying, we're all... We're all doing it, yeah. There's more of us now. We're buying more things yeah. now. So as a industry of, of, of being customers that are buying our wares, mm. it's only growing. So if the high streets are all closing down, it has to be coming from somewhere else. Yeah. So the industry overall is is you know at its most buoyant ever mm. but it just is slightly annoying when they focus on the poor high street yeah and it is sad we all like to go out and have a of shop of course we coffee, do but absolutely let's yeah. Be real, there, there's, yeah there's a massive growth behind it yeah and the number of people employed to support it is phenomenal it is i think that the thing that's more frightening is you know you look at how um and, and they've talked about this in the news as you probably probably know but how quickly it's gone i think you know with covid it's fast forwarded it i think they're saying between five and seven years depending on who you talk yeah, to it. and yeah. it's it, i think it's just as a as a nation it's we're just trying to catch up with it and catch our breath aren't we and that okay well yeah. now you know two years ago i might have gone shopping for something whereas now actually i mean personally myself I order everything online and yeah. it just gets sent back yeah. you know if i don't like it but yeah. it's such a, a huge a huge change but one bit one big question i suppose for, for you phil obviously you've said there's a lot more people out in the market doing what you're doing doing a bit of you know dabbling in auto automation and, and leading the way who are really the leaders in automation in your view in terms of the big players Again, out there that's a question i feared you'd ask because <laughs> Go, again, just flipping backwards, I mean, um, the big players. So it comes back to this word automation, doesn't it? So if we're looking at new sheds, we're looking at the blue chip companies that we yeah. recognize online and in the high street. Yes, let's be honest. Small, privately owned businesses are not going to go in and win that fit for that new building. Mm. So, you know, there's all the um, big players that have been there and grown with this um boom if you like in e-commerce yeah. they're they're the ones that can do the full um piece of work for the end user so yeah from, from the design of the buildings to the car parks to the goods lifts to the yeah you know that's where the that's whole going shebang now. isn't and it we are talking you know to put up a new modern dc with a fair flow of volume we're, we're into multi-millions yeah you know, of automation ground. so asking me the question um, those guys, um, you know, it would just give me such a headache and it would give the team mm. such a headache. So we tend to stick and, again, breaking this word automation down, it's not a scary word, mm. but we break it down into what we know we give value on. Mm. And I think the, the big guys are always going to exist. We don't really keep a close eye on them because it's no. so far adrift from, from our end. Mm. But for me, the message with, I think, working with Titan is how do we jointly individually tap into our customers mm. and get the time and the audience with them to understand 
that automation can be very straightforward, mm. very low capital outlay, mm. and give some real, real improvements. Mm. So how do the big players exist? They do because of, of what I've just mm. explained. But I think it's um, a nice position to be in for us to be able to have a lot of small wins mm. for our customers. Because, yeah. you know, one big win is, is comes a lot of risk, a lot of, of investment. Of course, yeah, not absolutely. Not only for the customer, but for the supplier. Yeah. And that's something that I can't comment on because we try no, and avoid it. No, no. But for us, you know, whether it's... Um, three men and a dog in a small shed mm. doing a few orders a week we can probably help yeah, them yeah. if it's a small medium size e-tailer or store replenisher yeah. there's definitely things that we've got under our wing we can help them with but and it's getting that audience is, yeah is it problem. is but one thing I noticed with you Phil especially is that you do work with some really big retailers still uh, and it's not that you're going in and uh, building them a, a brand new big huge shed but where we talked about right at the beginning, your flexibility, the fact that you're agile, you listen to them, you do get an audience with yeah. those big I customers. To, the one bit I pinch myself on sometimes is when I look at, at how it started, when I look at how modest we've kept this yeah. and how lean we've kept this, to actually, uh, um, we need to update it, you've just reminded me, but if you look at the website and you look at just a, a snapshot of some of our clients, yeah. I do actually find it quite difficult sometimes to take it on board. Yeah, it's but, really, you should be you know, really proud, Phil. But to have a big name, mm. it looks impressive on the website. Mm. What we don't advertise on there, what it was actually we did. Actually you did, yeah. No. Because that customer, somehow we found them, they found us. Yes. And we've yeah. got a relationship that allows us to advertise the fact that we yeah, work together. Of course. You've added value um, to their business. Well, yeah, even like you said, it could be the smallest thing, mm. it could be something major. But that's where I think there's always a place for, I mean, even if you look at our industry, you've got the huge, big manufacturers that, you know, they'll do four or five vehicles into into some warehouses every day. Yeah. You know, they've got their place. And then you've got Titan, who've got their place is slightly different, you know, that we might sell to that same retailer, but doing something totally different because yeah, of the you value. May give, you may give them. A, yeah, a the service. service. Absolutely. Stock taking. Absolutely. Yeah. You take care of more of their questions. It's Absolutely. about adding that value. Um, so I think, sorry, for, for you, Phil, I think you should absolutely be, you know, so proud of, of all yeah, your we, customers. We're happy with where we are. And I think the one, the one key to anybody that, that may be thinking this. For themselves that at any point whatever business you're in the one thing that I've taught myself through this is that we built the foundation of our business on spare parts yeah. modifications yeah. and service maintenance because yeah. we've been fortunate enough to grow this business over 21 years never borrow a penny off anybody and invest our capital hopefully in the right places and what that has done is our business model meant and has always been if we did not receive a machine order in 12 months the business would at minimum break even mm. and the reason is we work our socks off evenings and weekends to deliver 
spare parts, mm. get people out of a breakdown situation, yeah. send engineers at seven o'clock in the night, mm. uh, in the evening, um, be able to manage their service work that may have come from six suppliers and caused them a, a big admin headache. Yeah, yeah. We will take that on as I'm sure you do and become that one-stop shop for them to manage that. And you're making it easy for them. Making it easy for them. Yeah. And, and being reliable. It's like when someone rings you and says, oh, your insurance is due next Thursday on your car. You may have forgotten. Mm. But the fact your broker does that, yeah. then you reuse that broker maybe. Absolutely. And yeah. I think for us, it's the icing on the cake is to get a machine order. We have to have them. So it's not, of course, we're not yeah. saying without them, we, we can survive and we must make a lot of money because of them. The whole reason is that... Without that equipment, we don't get the, the backstory. We don't get that foundation of the spares and the service. No. And as we all know, 5, 10, 15, 20 years, machines get obsoleted. They get taken out yeah. of production. Yeah. And we have to replenish those yeah. with new equipment to be able to carry on with that foundation that we've built. Yeah. So we're very much about, you know, it doesn't matter if it's if it's a £100 spare part or mm. it's a £100,000 machine. Yeah. That visit, that meeting, that client is as important as the next one. Yeah. Because that relationship can start to build. Mm. Uh, and that's, mm. that's what we like to do. You know, we hope we're respected in what we do. And, oh, I'm and sure you are. That's, Gosh, that's, that's yeah. And we wouldn't be here, I guess. No, and I think, like, dealing with the bigger people, the bigger companies and the really big giants, I mean, we talked about it earlier, that... They are, they would be, I mean, I don't even know. Automation scares the hell out of me, but yeah, that would be, who would be a big giant? Would it be a Dematic or a, who would, who would be a big person in automation? Would it be a B plus machine? Would it be? So, so yes. So the big players nowadays tend to, so you've just mentioned two levels there. So Dematic. Yeah. Um, are the guys now that we're talking about that would take the site on? Yeah. B plus are probably one of the guys Domatic would go to go to, to buy for that. a piece of equipment. Yeah. To fit yeah. Within that whole remit. Yeah. So again, when we look at the big players, you know, you've you've got the TGWs of this world. Yeah. Who have been very very successful and grown quickly. Mm. Um, the older names. Um, um, here we got we got the Domatic. We've got a. Logistics. Yeah, we've course, had others yeah. that have fallen away. That was FKI Logistics. Yeah. Um, so there's, there's a lot of the what I call the integrators, mm. and then they work with the manufacturers. Yeah. And the manufacturers are the guys that are making the conveyors, making the packing machines, yeah. making the goods lifts, making the spiral conveyors. Yeah. So they're big in their own right. Yeah. They have a very nice route to market through mm. their relationships with the domestics yeah. of this world. So would um, you then work with the like um, the, the manufacturers then to go off and and source the right the, the right solution whether it's the bag you've got a, a, from the work that I know we've done together as a business and historically you'll go off and find the right bag solution the right um, conveyor solution and you'll deal directly with the manufacturers. Yeah, and 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 I think again it's horses for courses. It's who wants what from who. Yeah. So, uh, um, Domatic, you mentioned them. Um, we actually quoted them yesterday mm. for a number of assemblies and spare parts. Yeah. Because what's happened, we approached their customer. Mm. We sold the idea of a certain machine to their customer. And this is a retailer. Mm. The retailer wanted our system. They asked Domatic to buy our system yeah. directly. 
but to install it on their site. Right. So what happens now is we we always have a, a discrepancy with this one because half of us talk about the customer being the the, the shed that we go to and, yeah. and the e-tailer. Yeah. And the other half of us talk about Domatic, yeah. who actually our customer. Yeah. So Domatic come on and say, we need X, Y, and Z. Can you send us a quote? Yeah. Or we need some help with some software. Can you send us a quote? Yeah. We're sending it to Domatic, but they're reselling it or they're Onto handling their it customer. for their customer. Yeah, yeah. So we actually approach their customer, but we don't deal with that person. No. We approach. We deal with the the higher level, which is the integrator. So we can do it either way. We can yeah. do it right that way. And on other occasions, people like Domatic have come to us and said because they obviously know of our solutions, yeah. we're working on a brand new site and we think your Model X would fit. Yeah. Can you quote us and we'll approach that customer with it. Yeah. So for us, it's nice. We can go direct to end user or yeah. we can go to the integrator. Integrator as and well. Hopefully it's all about what we've got to offer. Does that work? Uh, and if it does, we've got a shot. And if and, it doesn't, we haven't. So. And that really does give the smaller players in the market the opportunities, Perfect, isn't it? Yes, because... Yeah. The bigger players have structures mm. and we have been in situations where we've been approached by an integrator and said you know we we will only buy from you yeah. you do not buy you know you do not sell to our customer yeah and they have strict rules in place and we if we want a piece of business like that we have to adhere to those rules of course yeah i think if you look at the other side of that coin being flexible, we're just about wanting to sell the right machine and mm. putting it in the right distribution centre. Yeah. So how we get there could be a multitude of, of ways of getting it there, but we hopefully won't lose the opportunity and be flexible enough to, to, to find a route to get yeah. that in. Yeah. So um, yeah, we, I think as, as a small player, we do have a bit more decision-making and maybe some of the yeah. structured businesses. The agility, yeah, yeah, you've absolutely. got that, that edge, I think, on agility. Yeah. And I think... I mean, brings nicely on to, to one of the questions I wanted to ask you is really what does the automation industry need to do better? Um, and I think it's, I mean, from our point of view, we, we deal with you, yourself directly. We've got a great working relationship. You simplify things for us. So it works, it works both ways. Yeah. Absolutely. But in your view, sort of you've been in the industry a good yeah. 20 years yeah. plus. Um, what do you think the industry really needs to get better at doing? Uh, so I, I see it more even though we're, we're, we're partners and we're, we're sort of split down the middle between packaging and automation, um, obviously I have a, a stronger knowledge and a stronger view on my side of it. And mm. I think touching back on what we said earlier, I think that the, the automation industry, whether it's small, mid, medium, large players, mm. I think are top heavy. I think the innovation and the future innovations that are on the, on the drawing board now are absolutely in line or ahead of the game. Right. I think there's things on the on the back burner at the moment that will move e-commerce another step. And I think there's development happening before the requirement. Right. Which goes against what I said earlier about us listening to people's needs yeah. and, and helping them with what we know. Yeah. Again, go to, go to the bigger players with bigger budgets, bigger investment, bigger yeah. teams. Yeah. I honestly believe that they know that this e-commerce is here to stay. Yeah. Therefore, they're already investing in things that are, you know, 
in incredibly advanced mm. and maybe are ahead of the e-commerce situation. Yeah, at the moment. so maybe we so need to catch up. On my side of the fence, I'm comfortable with what we do, and I'm comfortable that as an industry, there's there's a lot of development and there is a lot of um, outlets for it. So mm. I think it's wise investment that's going on, and I yeah. think they will um, turn or, or push this industry a, a, another step. I think on the other side, it's over to you because from my perspective. Um, I know we blame the materials and mm. you blame the machines. Yeah, but no, seriously, yeah. um, what what I would answer is for me, perhaps we don't understand enough, but to have a bit more clarity on the actual materials that we're expected our machines to handle. Right. Where do they come from? Yeah. What what is the process for making them? How green are they? Mm. You know, where does the government sit with this plastics tax? Was that a tax to mm. create money? Yeah. Or, or was it a tax to actually improve the environment? Because mm. I think if it was to make money, they're going to be quite shocked next year. I don't know what you think mm. because already the film industry and our customers are, are massively talking about how do we avoid it. Yeah. And the manufacturers are not just doing 30%, they're doing 40%, they're oh, doing 50 that was a minimum, yeah. when the government don't get this revenue that maybe they're expecting, are they going to push it up to 40% and then mm. 50%? Because, it, it, you know, so this is something that we work around, but we're not directly in. So no. i for me yeah. and the industry, personally, and as a business, we would like to, perhaps we should know a bit more about the, the material developments and yeah. the sourcing of those and, and the, the story behind them. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, we we can't be masters of everything and that's why mm. we are happy working with you. Because, yeah, absolutely. You know, we jointly sit in front of a customer, we can give them a complete view from both sides of the fence. And I yeah. think, um, yeah, that, that's my view on it. That's yeah, I think it's a huge consideration. And I think, yeah, it's a, a massive topic when we talk to our customers, you know, taxes and and the changes in material whether there's going to be additional costs additional um uh, restrictions on what people can and, and cannot use but how I, I mean what we've experienced is that people are, are moving more and more and more towards aut automation and machinery and i guess um I'm, i was having a chat with a customer who actually is nowhere near that he's just like no no no. i'd rather have a person doing it i, I know it's going to be done properly and like but you know and, and that's that's my my choice that's fine but he he was kind of like, well why do you think why do you think we need to move towards automation what's your reasoning and i guess you know that's one thing i wanted to ask you phil if you were faced with that question by a customer by somebody that's always depended on people yeah. always depended on on a, a manual or or a, a labor intensive process what is the main reasons for moving to automation or or a piece of machinery? Yeah, so, uh, so I anticipated this question when it comes, so if you forgive me. <laughs> That's I, all right, don't I have, worry, I no. This is fine, Bill. This is good. So I think that the nice thing to start off with is, so we look at automation as potentially a way of removing a head and putting in a piece of kit. But it's not a nice conversation, it's not is a it? Nice conversation. But actually, it's not that bad because, no. in my view nowadays, because we are lucky enough to work in a growth market, yeah. we're not talking about redundancy. And no. Removing. We're talking about redeployment. Yeah. And, and these people finding a job 
mm. within that business. Same business, that is yeah. More has more gratification, is less mundane. Yeah. Let the machines take over and do the simple bits. Yeah. Put the people in where they're more valued, where machines can't do what they can do. And I think this is again a key conversation that we can have with our customers. Don't be afraid mm. to move a person, you know, and give them an opportunity somewhere yeah. else that can use the human brain and let a machine do that for them. And I think to, to bullet point that, so we talk about this situation and we would say to a customer, so if you're going to consider it, whatever it is you think you can automate, think, is what you're thinking about, how is that future proofed? You know, are you buying it for today? Is it a whim? Is it something you've seen? Mm. Or is it something your business needs? And if you do need it, how do you future proof that? Yeah. You know, don't just buy something to get out of a muddle A quick today. win. Can it be expanded? Certain things can, certain things can't. So if you take a bagging machine yeah. and you run it at high speed, you can't... You Where'd can't you go? So you buy another one. So you know that at the start. Mm. If we take a sorter, if you buy the right sorter, you may today only want to sort to courier. Mm. So you may have six couriers in your business. So you go DPD, Hermes, Royal Mail 24, 48, Export, whatever. Mm -hmm. That sorter you can buy. The front end has a camera or a barcode reader. It has software. Mm -hmm. It has data transfer and knowledge. Mm. So you put that in, but you think to yourself, in a year's time, what if Royal Mail come to me and say, we will give you a pound discount per outbound order if you can sort to our hubs. And let's say oh, there's wow, 20 yeah. hubs. So let's say Royal Mail say, Glasgow, Peterborough, Swansea, yeah. Birmingham, Southampton. Yeah. And let's say there's 30. Yeah. So if you can now redeploy that sorter forget the couriers yeah if you go from six drops to 30 drops mm. you extend the back end mm. and you reconfigure the software yeah that sorter that you bought originally to, to, to save a manual job or to give you more accuracy mm. you've now been able to expand that with the growth of your econ yeah you've now got this 30-way sorter yeah and suddenly it's got return on investment it may have cost you x to expand yeah that sort yeah of, but if you're going to save a pound a parcel and you're doing x thousand a day yeah just it's, do the maths yeah simple. it's not rocket it's a science sell for us yeah then think further down the line what happens when royal mail say we'll give you one pound fifty if you sort to postcode yeah so, so instead of going to peter gosh you now want to split to PE for Peterborough, MR yeah. for Norwich, IP for Ipswich. Yeah. You look at that sorter, you now need 112, 115 drops. Mm. Can I expand that? What's it going to mean? Probably going to mean mechanically you can. Yeah. Electrically you may add a second box. Yeah. But from that initial conversation and that initial purchase, yeah. you've been able to expand this line as you grow. Yeah. And every bit of money you've spent on it has come with a return on investment. But these are the things that we can talk to our customers about now, yeah. which may scare them, because if they said, I don't want to invest in a sorter because I don't know where I'll be in two mm. years' time... Which is, is reasonable, isn't it? Reasonable, they don't know. It's a reasonable question, but we have the answer. Yeah. Buy something that's got the flexibility and expansion yeah. to grow with you. Yeah. And that way, your investment will help you today. It can yeah. help you next year. It could help you in five years. Do you find so, return on investment is a big, I mean, it's always very difficult. And I know working with you historically and, and other businesses, you would support us to 
put together a business case to, to demonstrate a return on investment yeah. and a time frame for that. But what is a good return on investment? So I think that that may have changed slightly. When you asked me that question when we started. Everybody in the industry was 24 months, two years. Mm. It was I don't know where it came from, mm. but the two-year payback. So going back in history, whenever I looked at selling a customer a machine, yeah. you obviously um, unearth the reasons why. You have to look at what you're quoting, and you're thinking, well, if the customer hasn't got value in this, he's not going to order. So no. you had to be interested in it. Yeah. And it was always the 24 months. You know, yeah. If you can break, if you break even in 24 months, and everything after there is additional cost or, or whatever else goes with it, that was the benchmark. If right. we go over two, we're unlikely to win the order. If we're around two, we're going to work hard to win the order, and maybe we've got to get other factors in there like accuracy, mm. uh, reduced damages, damages all yeah. of the usual good pieces. So all of that could then swing it to an order. Yeah. Uh, I think that's changed. I think, you know, 18 months now is probably the average that mm. when we talk to a customer from the first meeting, what you're looking to achieve on your investment, yeah. oh, we've got to pay back within 18 months. Yeah. So it's only ever going to get shorter. Mm. And, you know, we whether it's right or wrong, we, we sat down with people and they said, we, we, you know, to invest immediately, it's got to be 12 months or less. Now, that's yeah. a challenge. Yeah, yeah. That is a challenge. Do people ever um, say to, inv to, to invest or do they measure the, the, um, the return of, of investment on people and how many people yeah. or if they can take any heads out of the operation? Is that ever a gauge? Or? Yeah, I mean, so when, when you look at the, the return investment, the return on investment model as a norm, you would look at what is my labor saving? Yeah. What is my material cost saving? Mm. So you look at taking out direct labor on that task. You look at, at the packaging cost of yeah. what you're going from and to. You've then got other factors to put in there. What is the cost of the energy to run the automation? So yeah, the of course, yeah. Um, Utilities, you, you, facilities. You may have to put in um, compressed air. Mm. There's a cost to doing that. There's the service cost of the equipment. Yeah. So although you might be saving labor, direct labor on that task, and you may be saving some packaging material cost, yeah. you will be adding back in yeah. other things. So it's taking out and putting back, and then looking at what that overall saving is, and that's purely doing the maths then mm. over what the cost of the unit is and dividing it out. Yeah. And that tells you very simply what the return on investment is. And of course, your earlier question: What what sometimes happens is if you look at look, if the customer looks at it purely on cost, it's the wrong thing to do, because we talked on future proofing and expansion. Mm -hmm. What happens if the customer wants to go to an automatic bagger, and let's say there's a massive seed change in the material? Yeah, they can't make an automatic bagger that's doing polythene, then do paper or create no, a box. No, no. So they have to be aware of other factors. So what is ahead of us when it comes to the materials? Yeah, yeah. Can the materials that go on the machine, can they, are they generic? Can they be easily sourced? Yeah. When I say that, it's really what I'm saying is, are we tied in or can we go to the marketplace and buy competitively? Yeah. So that we can be as slick as we can with mm. our material costs or are we locked into a long-term contract? Yeah, yeah. So these are other factors we can not teach them but we can suggest they need to consider yeah um 
what are the annual and the life costs, which is again, we're going back to that point about service costs for the machine. Mm. You know, what is what the is maintenance, maintenance and all cost? of that? Yeah, yeah. Um, and again, are we entering into signing the contract for a machine? We we do not do this, right? But on some of the more basic machinery and the low cost machinery, we know the manufacturers. Uh, it's the basically it's the mackerel or the sprat to catch the mackerel, right? Because they may make very low margin on the equipment, yeah. But their interest is the material, as mm. you know. Yeah. You've got competitors Absolutely. who sell, yeah. sell materials so, on the back yeah. of the machines. Yeah. And I had a, only last week a customer came to me and said, I want to order this machine through you. I'm meeting these guys tomorrow. And they sent me an email and an underlined point on there was, before you come in next week, can you confirm that if we buy this machine, that we are not locked in mm. to the material and the labels it's a, a big consideration for a long term. Mm. The best answer I could give them was, "You are not locked in, but you have to consider the warranty." Yeah. Because if you go off and buy substandard materials mm. that are generally cheaper, and they don't work on the machine, you are going to absolutely pull yourself away from the mm. warranty terms mm. you agreed. Yeah. So I think when a customer wants wants it all. The best cut-off point for me is to say, this is the best machine. You need to buy the approved or the correct materials. Mm. If that's for six months or a year, I advise you do it. Yeah. After that time and you've got experience with the machine, you can trial others, you can try the market, be more yeah. competitive. Yeah. And if they work for you, great. If they don't, keep the door open and revert back mm. to what you had. Because it is so important that the materials and the machines work together. Yeah. And it's not all about cost because someone might save a penny a pack, but if their machine is down for an hour a day, yeah, actually, absolutely. they're saving on the material, yeah. but they're losing out on, on it, volumes. It's, it can be quite tricky. I mean, I've worked with um, end users before and there's been a, a manufacturer involved in the relationship and, and it's... I sometimes feel there's a little bit of scaremongering that goes on. You know, you can't use anybody oh, else's oh, material yeah. other than ours. And yeah. But for you and me, that doesn't work. No. That doesn't work. No. We want an open door approach. Exactly that. Yeah. yeah. It can be really tricky. But I suppose, I mean, you've hit the nail on the head in, in that you, you give them the guidance, you suggest what they, they should do. But it's really up to yeah. them, I, I guess, moving forward. But yeah, I've always found that quite, mm. quite a challenge when it's kind of been, yeah, we're going to yeah. buy this machine. You can't, you know, can't yeah. default from this material, yeah. or for, you know, almost like yeah. it's got some secret ingredient in it. Exactly, it's not like that. <laughs> no. But to finish your your point, I think one of when you said, what do they, you know, what should you look at? What do you need to consider? A great example was about a year ago where we were really close to selling an automatic tape sealing machine. Not yeah. rocket science, but it was yeah. really going to help the guys. It was going to help with um, moving people out of a congested area, yeah. moving three lines into one. Yeah. Um, there was a lot of pluses, but it came at a cost. And they were right on that borderline. Do we, don't we? Do we, don't we? And at the final meeting, the thing that tilted it in our favour was... But this doesn't always work because we do build bespoke machines. Yeah. I threw on the table, so you're going to spend X on this machine and you are nervous because the re return on investment is not quite where you wanted it to be. It's not that bad and you've now got a decision to make. I said, you know what the price of this machine is? And I took some examples 
of some second-hand machines that were on the market. Yeah. And you can go, as you know, you can just go online. Yeah, and yeah. You can put in the model number. So whatever this cost of this machine was, mm. for a two-year-old machine and an 18-month-old machine, I showed them some examples of machines that were available for sale. Not that I wanted to drive them to buy one of those. No. I tell them who had them. But basically, they were seeing two-thirds of the cost of what we were asking them to pay to install this machine. Machines that had been running for two years were on the market for 50, 60, 70% of mm. the new price. Yeah. So suddenly that was another consideration. Mm. If we buy this and that was the worst decision we'd ever made, and yeah. it didn't give us all that we wanted. Absolutely. You know what? You're actually risking 30%. Yeah. You're not risking 100% mm. of your investment. Mm. Yeah. Because you price that at the right price, yeah. we might even be able to move it on for you. But yeah, you exactly. But you will move that on yeah. and recover two-thirds, three-quarters of your mm. investment. So consider that. Yeah. And that was the game changer. Yeah. They suddenly went, oh, do you know what? That's Let's a good go point. Because yeah. in, in two years' time, if we don't need it, then exactly. we'll have it down to that value anyway. We'll yeah. technically get our money back. And that's after you've given them a really... I mean, that would have been on your final meeting, but you would have done so, so much, much analysis. There yeah. would have been, you know, the proposal, the, yeah. you know, all the costs, so everything they would have saved, everything they would have gained. Yeah. You know, that was just a kind of like, well, you know, just yeah. a, a final You've point. You just reminded me of another one. I wouldn't bore you with this one, but along the similar lines, we, we, were, we were quite close to selling the machine. We threw into one of the final meetings about samples. We need samples. They were boxes, standard boxes. Those yeah. were the ones, what you call race scored cases. Yeah. Can you send us some boxes? The boxes finally came through. We looked at them. We're not box people. You are, Jess. We're not. But we could see there was a problem with these boxes. Yeah, yeah. They didn't square up when you erected them manually. So how was a machine? Oh, gosh. Yeah. So we went back to them and said, these boxes are terrible. I'm sorry. But if we, if we test these on a demo unit and send you the video, you're not going to get a square box. No, no. Oh, we didn't realise they were, were, were out of spec. So they went and found someone with their own site and they said, yeah, these boxes, we can see what you mean. Yeah, you know, yeah. Somebody's not QC in this. They then asked the question, so where would you recommend that we got boxes that are going to be consistent? So we then gave them a name. Titan weren't around then, obviously. No, obviously so we not, gave otherwise. Them a name and said, these are fairly local to you, try them. Yeah. They got some guy in, they, he produced them some samples, probably CAD cut. Yeah. But they said, if we gave you an order for production, then this is the, this is the quality and the score. Yeah, what you would need. expect, yeah. They then asked him to quote. They then saved money on this guy's quote against mm. what they've just been paying and paying an on-cost for oh, without managing it. And that, if we then took that saving over the period, yeah. this machine went from being on borderline of return on investment to well inside. Yeah. But they never considered, no. if we buy this machine, they were just worried about the normal stuff. How, yeah. how is it gonna save heads? How is it gonna improve yeah. the operation? Yeah. Bottom line was, they had poor boxes, when they looked elsewhere, they got a better box. Better box, better yeah, yeah. And if you said we took some credit for pointing them at that, that's helped us to sell that machine. Yeah, and it builds your relationship, doesn't they it? They trust us. Yeah, and they'll recommend, and you know, it's it, you've got, and, and it's a lot about. We we say this a lot at Titan. It's about doing the right thing. Um, you know, it might not 
fit it might be going the extra mile or it might not be your bag but pointing them in the right direction for somebody who does know like in that instance the box people that you know came up with the correct box and it was a better it was a good saving it's just about doing the right thing by the customer because that will absolutely get you it's, get the I order hopefully. Chaos, hopefully yeah absolutely because and trust everybody buys on trust that customer then is thinking feels always yeah. going to give me his honest yeah. opinion he's always going to do what's yeah. right so therefore trust you yeah they probably after that after that whole episode they've ended up with an automatic machine yeah they've ended up with a better box going out in the marketplace mm. and they've actually got a cheaper box going yeah yeah so the only the only person who lost out in that whole thing was the guy that was overcharging and On the, not producing yeah, the right, right yeah. quality. So, it's so hard. And I think like sort of all the years I've been in packaging, you know, there's lots of things that people miss, there's lots of things that people don't consider. Um, you know, what are the, the main things that you find when people are looking at automation and they're looking at machinery that they're not asking themselves and they're not considering? What do you what do you think that customers are missing? I think we've probably covered it, Jess. I yeah. think it is about future proofing. It's yeah. about um, yeah. expansion. It's about re. I mean, another example that I haven't given. Um, we sold a automatic bagging and sortation system to a company up north. Yeah. And when I looked at their volumes and their payback at the time we started to talk, I felt this hasn't got a great chance of success right because the volumes weren't quite there uh, the way they did it was quite effective but they were quite hooked on us talking about the automation and showing them anything and it came to a great shock when they turned around and said we've we've gone for the capital approval right what was only when I sat down with their CEO um, outside of the office environment that evening in fact in the hotel and he asked how I'd got on with the team. Mm. And I said, yeah, and remarkably well. And obviously I was, was, was dubious about bringing up, oh, I'd be surprised if you ordered this because that's not something I'd want to say. No. And before I could even sort of think how I was going to get round how the day went, he actually answered the question for me. And he, he just opened up and said, I really appreciate you coming in. And I think what you're offering is right for this business. And there was two things that potentially I'd missed. One was they were closing down stores, which I didn't know about, and mm. growing the e-com. So there was an underlying force saying e-com, e-com, e-com. Yeah. So that meant this piece about in the future, you know, what is the three-year strategy? Well, mm. it is going to be this machine. Yeah. The sorter. So I guess I didn't delve too deeply into what their future looked like. But then out of the blue, he said, we are, we're going to be put in the business, and it's a well-known brand, on the market within 12 months. Wow. And I sat back a bit, and he said, so this is my point. You put in a brand shiny bagger that works, and we have this, this whole impressive dispatch situation. Mm. We then use the sorter for splitting out our outbound goods. Mm. We can reverse the sorter for our returns. Yeah, yeah. We've got double use. He said, this is my point. When I walk around a prospective buyer, being the CEO of this company and working for the group, yeah, and I walk them into a warehouse that's got benches, old rusty gravity conveyors and 20 people, 
or I walk these guys around our prospective buyers mm. and show them a slick operation yeah. with new equipment doing the job, then this you know we are selling this business on its digital potential mm. and its digital growth. Yeah, they're on a good journey, aren't they? And so for them, yeah, if that didn't meet, which it didn't at the time, it no. didn't meet ROI, it was nowhere near. I bet two years down the line, they are now at the volume that would have done the, the deal. Yeah. Um, but they're a bit delayed on their sale, but they are actually now have uh, some offers on the table and they have done what they said. They've walked people around. Yeah. They've looked at this. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think for him, he said, you know, I'm going to paint the front of the building. I'm going to put some gravel in the car park. It's all about that first impression. Of like course. when you're selling a house. Yeah, and yeah. he said, I do not want to walk these guys through and show them a warehouse that looked like it was a 1980s yeah. operation, you know. So for me, the value was a lot more than yeah. just the... It's a big long-term plan. Cash. There, was, yeah. there was more to it. So it's a long-term thing. That, again, looking at... at the value of what you're buying as a as a, as mm. a asset yeah an investment isn't yeah, it it's asset. not it's yeah. not you know it's not a, a, a something nice that you're going to buy and sit in reception to look at no it's an investment yeah, you that's increase gonna your, your asset value of the business of when course you make that investment. Yeah. Um, yeah and i think that gives people reassurance i mean if you depending on, on where you're going what you're doing but certainly if you're selling a business you know potential buyers will think you know they've invested time they've invested money they've made the right choice um, you know just from a warehouse point of view they would expect to see that within the leadership t teams within the management the approach the focus the sales all of that so no that really does give give the right the right impression um just on that just interestingly in terms of like the implementation of a, of a product project you know we've done some bits before sometimes they can take well i think I, I've had asked you this two years ago, probably really different to yeah, now because yeah. the time frames have gone up. But in terms of like getting a um, a, a, a sortation, a simple sortation system um, from start to finish, okay. what what sort of time scales would you be working on? Do you think? So I can give you I can give you a really good example on minimum. Um, yeah. We I'm probably going to go back to about 2018 now, but we. We were recommended to go and see a customer to talk about the sortation. We put two or three, four systems in the UK at that time. It wasn't. It was the right size sorter for us. So it, was, yeah. it was work that we were very keen on. Yeah. And I was invited to go in. I met two or three. I met the chief engineer. I met the lady who ran projects. I met. Um, I met the distribution manager. We all got on well, and we talked. We looked at some videos, and we talked about their speed and requirement. Within a week. We had a draft layout and a draft proposal of, of basically taking it, collating everything they'd asked for, putting it into a specification, and me getting the manufacturer to buy into that and create a scope of supply with a supporting layout. So we yeah. had something to go back with and say, a proposal. this is what it would look like, this yeah. is the space, these are the services you want, and this is your budget cost. Yeah. The thing then was very fast moving. You know, it was literally, um, it was a team's call or a site visit at least every 10 days. And they pushed, pushed, pushed. And we probably received that order, I would say within two months of that mm. first meeting. Yeah. 
and we pushed the manufacturer really hard to, to be a, a, a peak deadline mm. to get the equipment in. So they worked day and night to try and deliver it quickly. Mm. And I think that was normally would be 14 to 16 weeks to put in an average size sorter from point of order. Yeah. That was um, delivered to site in 11 weeks. It was installed in week 12 and it was basically signed off in week 13. Mm -hmm. So I think if you put all that together, you're looking at three months yeah, um, yeah. from order and maybe two months before. So you'd say five months, five months is probably yeah. the quickest we've done it and the probably yeah. the quickest you could do it. Yeah. And well, the wow. other side of the fence, let's, let's not do Oh, years, but you years, could imagine. You know, yeah. yeah. You probably yeah. know with how you do yeah. it. You know, it, it, and sometimes they come out of the blue after a long time. Yeah, but yeah. I, I would say um, one that comes to mind is a packaging system for store replen mm. that was to take complete manual, uh, a manual operation away that used boxes and void fill and hand tape guns and oh, wow, desktop yeah. labelers. Yeah. So from the first discussion with the MD and his supervisor to implementing that machine is probably was probably two and a half years i think on fire because wow. i remember the job was listed as dead in the office and then probably a year after it was listed as dead the phone call came in and yeah. said can we revamp this project so i think if you treat the first ever meeting yeah. the first discussion about it it's a long to actually time sign off the deal probably two and a half years but that's, I mean, that's great though, isn't it? But it's like any pipeline, you always need, you know, some of your shorter the good ones, news was some we long ones. The file. Oh, brilliant! <laughs> so, that helps. Yeah, that yeah. Helps. so yeah. you were ahead. Yeah, we were ahead oh, it's so. so. I mean, and and I guess now at the moment, certainly we're experiencing lead times are longer. Everything now is taking so much longer. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that's just part of it, isn't it? So, um, no, that that's that's brilliant. I think just really, I mean, everything you've shared today has just been really insightful in terms of automation um and certainly i find it really reassuring working with you and i find that you know talking to customers i can i don't need to pretend to be the expert i can quite openly say you know i am no expert but you know we'll bring our partner in and and people that we work with to share that with you but i suppose one sort of real exciting question for us is really what's next for pacrobat and you know the the final question for the, the interview really but, is but yeah before i answer that i'd like to also say thanks for the invite because, oh you're so welcome you no know, it, it's much appreciated and if we just reach out and one person listens to a bit of this yeah. and it triggers something yeah and whether it comes to us or comes to you and we can work together on it and everybody gets a tick in the box then it's been a worthwhile time doing this so yeah absolutely you oh you're welcome um, what's next for us um i think it's nothing that's going to blow your socks off it's pretty much more of the same um we have there was something i mentioned earlier about the us pack that may be fresh for the uk mm. and we are currently working with titan yeah. on, as you know on yeah. how we might be able to bring this into the uk in the next exciting six to 12 months yeah and would give not just us for equipment but you for a bespoke pack yeah some something really fresh to take something to new isn't it something different yeah, yeah. and um yeah and, and i can say that we are working on uh 
a, de a development at the moment, but it's yeah. a little bit early to, to advertise it. But yeah, sure absolutely, you'll be, absolutely. You'll be first for you to know. Of course. Um, yeah, so, that sounds good. So that's definitely time consuming and, and interesting, and it's in the right arena, and yeah. hopefully it will. It will um, cement our business and mm. maybe fill a gap in the market at the same time fingers crossed um, it would involve titan as well because this new development will require much of what you do as well so brilliant brilliant um, that's great space and, brilliant. Uh, keep fingers crossed yeah so it's just pretty much more of what you're doing now yeah, and keeping just it give us more yeah and, and keep it simple isn't it you know we do what listen. we do we'll just we just want to see more people and we want to listen to what they're what their problems what issues the brief are is and you know a lot of the time we won't we won't have that answer that golden nugget but no but hopefully occasionally we will and, yeah and everybody can win yeah we can come to you as the expert yeah. phil i think the work we've done together so far with that with our ecom our ecom clients it's about you know we do the what we regard ourselves as experts at but it is about yeah, do you know what? We've got somebody that can do that for you as well. We can work with a partner yeah. that can do that and tick another box. Yeah. Um, and a trigger point there is, again, if we flip the clock back, I think our clients had more resource, more people. Yeah. So I think getting in to speak to, well, nowadays we can speak to one person. If it's yeah. the project manager, mm. he or she is going to listen to the whole thing. Yeah. The whole thing that we can offer yeah. could go through one person, even for a big organisation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where I think 10 years ago, we could speak to one person in the organisation. Mm. They're dealing with the corrugated packaging. They're dealing with the film packaging. Yeah. They deal with the machinery. They deal with the service. Yeah. This guy buys the spares. Yeah. So it always made our life difficult. Are we talking to the right person? Mm. Who is the right person? Yeah. How do we get to the right yeah. person? I think today, because businesses are much more lean mm. and they're growing so fast and they're so busy and they're so driven on their customer perception, on their branding, on their delivery times, on mm. their return operation, these guys haven't got these people. They no. haven't got the time to the dedicate to no, split no, absolutely. So when we go in and say, listen to us and we can help you across that board, then that is, I think, where we can really yeah. grow and be successful. Yeah, And they that trust you, don't they? I mean, yeah, the customers key. we work with, whether it's myself, whether it's Louis, whether it's Anna, you know, they're like, can, can you can you do this for us can you keep it simple we need you to to go out and do that and you know we've had projects in the last sort of few weeks where customers have gone are we going to be able to do this by peak you know, i'm really worried I, I don't think i've got the the time or the resources like you don't need the time or the resource that's us that's our job that's our job that absolutely we'll we'll yeah that's our job um yeah. and then we come and see you phil yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. brilliant well thank you thank so you. much phil it's been absolutely brilliant and i think Thanks yeah any um any questions that comment. that we get yeah <laughs> any any questions we get yeah. following the podcast whether people want to go to space or yeah. <laughs> whether yeah. it's a, you, a tape machine yeah absolutely yeah, yeah it's, good. <laughs> it's anyway. all good fun no it's been great thanks so thanks much so phil much. that's great I think that's us. Well, I hope people listening enjoyed it. Thank you for taking the time. Episode 5 will be here soon. <laughs>